Hello. On today's episode of Nutrition Business Today, I am interviewing the father of functional medicine and a lot more, Dr. Jeffrey Bland. But before I get into that, uh, just in case any of you listeners out there on Nutrition Business Today don't know who Jeff Bland is, let me give you a brief introduction, which could take actually the rest of the podcast, given Jeff's uh, extensive uh, background and what he's done with his life. Jeff is a um, internationally recognized leader in the nutrition field, and he co-founded the Institute for Functional Medicine known as IFM. Jeff, over the past 35 years, has traveled lots of miles, more than 6 million in, in many, many countries, and has worked with hundreds of thousands of practitioners, helping them learn more about how to work with patients when it comes to high-end metabolic nutrition and functional medicine. Jeff's a biochemist by training, uh, worked with Dr. Linus Pauling, uh, which is, you know, has he has some great stories about that. Jeff was the founder and chief executive officer of HealthCom before that, and then he got into founding uh, Metagenics. After Metagenics, he founded the Personalized Lifestyle Medicine Institute. We both share a big interest in personalized nutrition and personalized lifestyle medicine. This institute has gone on to promote ideas and been a thought leader in the area of personalized medicine, precision medicine, which is really where a lot of medicine and the healthcare system is going. So with that introduction, I'll uh, welcome my uh, fantastic and esteemed guest, Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Nutrition Business Today. Nutrition Business Today. Nutrition Business Today. The facts, fiction, and future of nutrition with Tom Arts, co-founder of Nutrition Business Journal and managing director of Nutrition Business Advisors. Now here's the co-host of Nutrition Business Today, Izzy Davis. On this week's news, Wellbeing Digital Sciences announces a new CEO. IFF has agreed to acquire the largest contract manufacturer that was family-owned in the dietary supplement space. And finally, a company that's near and dear to our hearts announces an IPO on the NASDAQ. All of that and more before Tom's interview with Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Nutrition Business Advisors. Strategic and capital connections to improve your business. We help our clients by facilitating strategic relationships throughout the industry, conducting custom market research projects, such as the size and the trends of the astaxanthin supplement market, and portfolio analysis, business planning, and competitive landscaping to help prepare your business for a sale or investment. To hear more about our services or get in touch, visit nutritionbusinessadvisors.com. That's nutritionbusinessadvisors.com. Formerly known as Ketamine One, this new company changed its name to Wellbeing Digital Sciences. It is a company focused on innovative clinical solutions surrounding psychedelic therapeutics. Wellbeing Digital Sciences appointed Najla Guthrie as their new CEO just last week. Najla was previously running the contract research organization KGK Sciences, which is known for their clinical trials across the nutraceutical and cannabis industry. Now, Najla will get to oversee all of the upcoming work on psychedelics for mental health. If you want to invest in the company, their share is on the OTC for about 14 cents per share. HealthRight Products was the largest family-owned contract manufacturer in the dietary supplement industry. It was the last one standing until now. On February 17th, the flavor and fragrance giant IFF agreed to acquire a majority stake in HealthRight Products. IFF believes this acquisition is good for them because it gives their fragrance and flavoring exposure to the production of thousands of nutraceutical products. It will allow them to customize their solutions even more and reach a more broad range of customers, says the IFF president. And finally, Smart for Life. 
develops, manufactures, and distributes nutraceutical products all over the world. They are attempting to bring in a larger pool of investors by going public on the NASDAQ. Ticker is SMFL. Their stock price plunged 76% when it hit the market in mid-February, opening at $3 per share and is now around $0.86. I can't say too much about their actual business since it's in such early stages, but I do know that their strategy is to raise a bunch of money and continuously buy out manufacturers, digital ad agencies, and other players that can help them create a very large, vertically integrated nutraceutical brand. They aim to have $100 million in revenues this year. We'll see if it happens. And now, on to the interview with Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Well, Tom, it's, it's a true honor to be, uh, be with you. And I, I'd say that, yeah, we've been together, traveling this journey together, collaborating for the better part of two decades. So that's a, that's a good, healthy part of my professional life. Over the last 40 years, I've been involved in the field. And it, it's, uh, it's been an extraordinarily enriching relationship, both on a personal and professional level with you. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, um, I, I first heard you speak at a conference, and uh, you're one of those speakers that I could listen to over and over again, not because of how much information you jam in, but just because that's sort of where I, my head is, um, you know, in, in where I want to bring my career. Uh, I'm more on the business side, um, but I, I love, you know, high-end and advanced nutrition. Um, before we get into your latest venture, which I was so, so surprised and, and actually really... Um, it was great news that you were, that you that you gave me when you started to launch your new venture, Big Bold Health. Um, tell me anything else about your background that I missed, um, and what's driving you these days, just in general. I mean, I know you're thinking about your new company a lot, but just beyond that, uh, you know, with all the work you've done and where healthcare is going, and we're just coming out of COVID, um, and we're trying to understand what that did to everybody's health. Could you just uh, tell us where your thinking is on that? Because I, I don't want to go through this whole podcast without a COVID question. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, you know, at my age and with my kind of experience now, as I, as I mentioned, over four decades in this field uh, and, the, and the extraordinary blessings I've had of being in the field and the number of remarkable people like yourself that I've met, that I've been guided by, that I've mentored under, that I've collaborated with. Um, the ability to travel the world and get involved with so many different perspectives, remarkable people of, of change who are really creating the new world order that we're going to be seeing, uh, that my grandkids are going to live through. Um, this has been a real tremendous, uh, not just value, it's been, a, it's been a blessing for me. And so at this phase of my life, I kind of asked myself the question, um, is this the time for retirement? And I recognize that it would be a little bit of selfishness on my part if I was to just go to the sidebar and, and uh, get out of this industry that I've been so excited about participating in all these many years. Uh, and I really have a pay forward responsibility to kind of hand back um, in, in terms of the baton um, individuals who are coming up and let them go forward. Uh, so this is kind of a pay forward thing for me. So I've been really thinking about how I can do that effectively and to whatever I've learned over the years, uh, hopefully pass it on uh, to others that might find value in, in where they want to take it. So that led into the Institute for Functional Medicine that my wife Susan and I founded in 1990. That's grown up to have you know more than 100,000 healthcare providers that have gone through different programs that it's offered over, the, over those years. All now we're ACCME approved to provide category one continuing medical education programs. And Jeff, and then, uh, just to, you know, because I don't know how many of my listeners know 
what functional medicine is. In just a nutshell, could you define uh, what is functional medicine and why it's such a big force in changing healthcare? Yes. Um, in 1989, uh, actually, it was my wife, Susan, who had the, what turned out to be a, a brilliant idea to have the two of us host a whiteboard discussion with some of these leaders around the world that I've had a chance to meet over my years of travel. Uh, she organized this meeting in, in uh, actually, Victoria, British Columbia on, on Vancouver Island. And uh, we brought in 45 people uh, to sit uh, for three days and just on a whiteboard talk about what would be an ideal healthcare system. What would it look like without worrying about reimbursement or licensure or those kind of things. That um, was such a successful uh, endeavor that we decided to do it a second year. So in 1990, we reconvened, same hotel uh, in Victoria. And uh, we had a momentum going by that time because we'd been involved over the year in, in, in talking. Uh, people like Joe Pizzorno, Sid Baker, Leo Gallon, uh, David Jones, um, uh, Graham Reedy, uh, a whole group of, of leaders, thought leaders, as well as people outside our discipline who brought other ideas from informatics and biometrics and so forth. And it was on the, uh, the last night of that meeting, that second year, that I, you know, I had one of these kind of aha experiences and I, and I recognized that what we had been talking about all those courses of the, uh, of the two years was what was really function. And function was really being divided into four different subsections. And those were physical function, metabolic function, cognitive function, and behavioral function. And if you roll those four up together, you really describe what people call health. It's not just the absence of disease, it's the presence of function. And so I, I thought to myself, maybe an aligning principle, not integrated or, or uh, holistic or um, unconventional or orthomolecular, maybe the, the combining principle was function. And you know, I, I, I played a little funny game with myself. I said, what's the contrary to functional? It's, it's non-functional. So I asked myself the question, if you had an audience of all sorts of eclectic groups of different kinds of health providers uh, with different subspecialties and different backgrounds, and you ask that audience, how many would stand up that wanted to be un dysfunctional practitioners? I don't think anyone would stand up. So I said, okay, well, maybe this is a word I can get everybody to align around. If I talked about function, maybe everybody would say that's a, a, a reasonable objective. So it was with that that I went back to the group and I said, hey, what, do you, what, what about calling ourselves um, the functional medicine movement? And uh, maybe we could, you know, put together a, an organization. And Susan Bland, my, my wife, has said, yeah, we, we could call it the Institute for Functional Medicine. So that it's a systems biology approach towards healthcare. It doesn't ask the downstream question of what you name a particular uh, pathology. It asks the upstream question of where did it come from? And what we recognize is the, uh, the origin of, of the, what we call diseases are really related to a whole series of physiological, emotional, physical dysfunctions that are now being codified. But there was no formal organization that was really um, focused on that. So uh, that then birthed in 1991, the Institute for Functional Medicine, and it's now celebrated over its 30th anniversary. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that it's now kind of gotten sticky. We have a functional medicine center at the Cleveland Clinic that's uh, seeing patients and doing research. And so it's kind of up and off, it's on its own. It's off the, 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 the tarmac now. That's great. I, um, I... I, I think I told you one time I started some graduate work back at the University of Pennsylvania in systems thinking and uh, did a lot of work in social system sciences around uh, organizations and business. But we, we often talked about the healthcare system and, you know, functional medicine for me is sort of where medicine should go. Uh, you know, I always define it as, you know, like you just said, you're underneath, like, what's the, what, what are the causes underneath it? And there's a whole framework for that. 
um, that that is um, where I think we're headed and um, we're making a dent on, on the universe, as Steve Jobs says. I also know that you think the revolution or whatever you want to call it for changing healthcare uh, coming out of COVID, we might have some tailwinds around that. Could you make a brief comment about that? And then we'll get to your new venture. Yeah, actually, I spent quite a bit of time yesterday and this morning um, reviewing the most recent literature on long COVID. We're very interested in long COVID because it it maps against a condition that we were very uh, have been very involved with over the last 30 years called chronic fatigue syndrome, postmyalgic uh, encephalitis. And, uh, you know, chronic fatigue was uh, was rejected by the medical world, said it was psychosomatic. There was no organicity to it. It, it really was just in uh, in the minds of the individuals uh, was not re a real condition. But now we've recognized over the last, particularly the last 10 years with work of uh, Dr. Anthony Komaroff at uh, Harvard Mass General, uh, head of internal medicine there, that there is really something about um, the you know, post-viral uh, fatigue syndrome called chronic fatigue that's real. We could also look at Lyme, we could look at Desert Storm, we could look at Gulf War. Uh, all of these conditions that lead to chronic uh, dis disability in terms of fatigue, muscle weakness, uh, cognitive dysfunction, um, uh, lassitude, uh, all of these conditions are interrelated to what we're now seeing uh, present with long COVID. And uh, this long haul COVID has very similar personality. So we've been asking the question, is there some similar functional disability that's associated with all of these conditions? It's upstream, rather than just in trying to distreat the downstream symptoms with multiple drugs, what's the upstream cause? And uh, just to summarize where our learning is taking us, it's taking us to understand that uh, during these cases of being exposed to a very strong stressor, be it a viral stressor or a chemical stressor, or even a psychological stressor, our immune system undergoes injury in the form of, of uh, picking up what are called epigenetic marks above the genes that regulate then how the genes are expressed. It, it, it remembers this bad experience and it kind of perpetuates that alarm state. And it's that kind of uh, sequence of events that leads then into these multiple symptoms that we see in people that have these long-term conditions. It's interesting, isn't it? When you think of, say, Lyme, uh, the person may have gotten over the infection with the Lyme uh, organism long ago. They might have been treated effectively with antibiotics and, and antifungals and, and were able to eliminate the bug, but yet they still have, for years after, the resident problems of fatigue and, and uh, mental states of dysfunction. So it's more than just the bug. There's something that actually marked their genes with this episode that's remembered. And that epigenetic um, story is is interesting how it's emerging because it sounds like the ultimate bad news story that once your book has been marked or tainted or disfigured, nothing you can do about it. But now we're learning actually that these epigenetic marks are reversible, that there are ways of actually uh, modulating uh, um, epigenetic reprogramming. Uh, we call it immunorejuvenation. That's our focus. And that's where I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life because it's a, it's a lifelong, at least one lifelong's worth of work to really figure out how intervention, personalized intervention will re-tag and retrain our epigenetic marks to become more resilient and, and remember less bad memories. Yeah, I always uh, share your work with people if I'm on a plane and I go, um, you know, hey, you're, everybody thinks their genetic code is the ultimate uh, driver of their health and they can't change it. And that's just not true. And you've taught me that it's epigenetics and now we have, uh, companies that can measure your epigenetics, just like 23andMe, there's this great company, True Diagnostic, and um, others that say, what is your epigenetic health and your age, your biological versus your chronological, chronological age? You know, um, I had COVID in October. 
I believe I have long haulers because I've taken a couple tests. So you're speaking near and dear to my heart because if those epigenetic markers have been in, changed in my body, I want to change them back. So uh, th thank you for all your work. Let's go into it. Well, 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 this sec, Tom, let me give you the, some good news. I mean, yeah. Probably most people, unless they are nerds like, like I am in terms of this immune system uh, understanding, would not necessarily understand. You know, our immune system um, is very dynamic. Uh, the lifespan <laughs> or the lifetime of our immune cells can vary from, in some cases, a few hours to uh, the longest lived ones in the hemophytic stem cells in our bone marrow can last a few years, maybe as long as five years. But the majority of the immune system cells that are floating around in our, our, our blood uh, and our tissues are, are probably last days to weeks. Uh, now, that the, the good news is that means we have a lot of opportunity to send new messages to those cells. They're not going to stick around forever. We need to send new messages so they can be rejuvenated. And that's really the fundamental opportunity. It cuts across precision cancer therapy. It cuts across Alzheimer's disease and, and neuronal degeneration. It cuts across autoimmune diseases. This is the, I, I'm calling it the coin of the realm. Uh, as we uh, discover how to reverse these epigenetic marks and to reprogram an individual, retrain their immune system using these new tools, it's going to revolutionize all of healthcare because we were built, the whole healthcare system was built on the concept of the irreversibility of gene expression. It was a one-way street. Now we recognize it's not a one-way street. This is a paradigm shift. This is a, a threshold we're going across. It's going to revolutionize the whole of healthcare in the years to come. Yeah, I... Couldn't agree with you more, and the momentum is picking up. Um, thank you for that, and thank you for giving me hope that I can uh, reverse some of these things myself. Um, maybe there'll be some practical uh, advice you'll give to me and others who might have long haulers before we um, finish our podcast here today. Let me um, let me uh, build off your immune interest and your immunorejuvenation, which is an interesting term um, that you are building your new company on. But let me start with a kind of a personal question and uh, don't take this the wrong way. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm capable of retiring, Jeff. Uh, uh, this one guy told me to retire is to expire. And uh, <laughs> I, I know that I'm gonna have the same issue, but what inspired you at your point in your career when you really, I know you have a great boat and you could be off on the sunset with your lovely wife, Susan. What inspired you to launch another company? Um, having launched six companies myself, this is not easy. Why? <laughs> Well, I think and the first company's of all, called Big Bold Health, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think first of all, let's let's just acknowledge the reality that life is not easy for any human being. Life is a challenge. It, it's not just a walk in the park. And it, if you want to really get the most out of life, it's, it would be just like training for anything you want to be really good at. You got to work at it all the time. You don't become world class at anything by just sitting around. And and so if you want to be world class at living. Uh, you've got to go at it with gusto. You've got to, and with every moment that you can still breathe a molecule of oxygen and convert it into energy, you want to squeeze the best out of it you can. And, and for me, uh, you know, my, Susan, my wife asked me, she said, so Jeff, about this retirement thing, I, I said, well, Susan, I am retired. She said, you don't really look retired. You look like you're working seven days a week. And I said, well, first of all, I've never worked. That's the first thing. I have been so lucky starting off as a professor back in my 50s, my, in my 20s, um, and uh, all the way through the most recent things that I've been doing, I don't think it's, I've ever had a job. I've had things of passion that I've been fortunate enough to be compensated for, but uh, I would have probably done them free if I could have lived with, without having compensation. I was just doing exactly what I was put on earth to do, and I was having an amazingly good time doing it. So 
I, what, what I retire from, what I retire from a good life. So I said, I am actually retired. Retire means putting new tread on the tire. I'm retiring. I'm putting new tread so I can roll a few more miles. So that's my retiring project. Was it Cher who said, uh, I'm going to ride it till the wheels come off, right? She said. <laughs> yeah, until the bubbles burst. You know, yeah. that was a classic poem, right? Yeah. So, um, all right. So Big Bold Health, um, let's get into that before we take a break. A couple of years ago, you built on this re immunorejuvenation. You spoke at one of my CEO summits and talked about this early concept of immunity, immunity 1.0, 2.0. And we don't have time to get into all the you know, physiological, medical things around that. But based on that, um, you just start, started this new company called Big Bold Health. Just in a nutshell, what's the mission and vision of Big Bold Health? And, um, and there's a product you found, I know, that is going to change people's lives. How did, how did that drive into the mission? Yeah, I think the, uh, the mission was born out of a conversation that I had with two of my colleagues that I have had the privilege of working with for over 25 years, which is, I think, kind of remarkable when I think about it. Most of us don't go through our whole professional lifetime with the same individuals, unless they're our spouse or our, our partner. Uh, but I have two remarkable women that uh, have worked with me for over 25 years, Trish Uri and um, uh, Annette Giardi. And I, I always come back from meetings on, you know, over the weekend, back in the days we could travel pre-COVID. And I'd, I'd come back and, um, and I'd have this big rail, of, you know, kind of a download of my thought about the meeting. And one day, uh, Trish said to me, so, so Jeff, you know, we always love it when you come back on Monday, you always have this, and you're, you're buoyed and jacked up with excitement and got new ideas and you're downloading and you're, you know, you're being kind of messianic. Uh, I can relate, I can relate to that. I have that same <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And, and she says, you know, you're a fairly big guy in stature. And you've got a big voice and a big present. And, you know, you're very bold in these thinking. So why don't you do something with it? Maybe we ought to form Big Bold Health. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, it could be a platform for how we would really uh, bring to people um, the breakthrough discoveries that are being made about how to own our immune system, how to both personalize and own it. So we don't become a victim of our immune system we become the owner of our immune system. And, and that concept to me was a pretty big concept and it was a very bold concept. And it was maybe very timely. This is pre-COVID by the way. <laughs> so right. we, had, we had these conversations prior to COVID and then we formed the company as kind of a, just a thought idea first and spent the first year kind of just thinking about what would a company be like if we focused on personalized immunity being uh, uh, utilizing the tools of personalized lifestyle intervention, what would that look like? And then COVID hit. And so it was a good news, bad news story. The good news is the whole world suddenly was interested in immunity. The bad news is we had to deal with COVID and everybody being worried about immunity because it was such a catastrophe. But I think what it did do is it accelerated our, us and our learning and, and our kind of our commitment to trying to be a player in this space because there is so much we felt we could bring to individuals about how to make intelligent decisions. Uh, uh, in terms of their own immune system and their own health and that of their family. So I started doing the podcast, uh, uh, the Big World Health podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, we, we ended up, um, you know, having pretty strong social media presence with, uh, with the things that we were talking about. And as that happened, then we fell into some opportunist, opportunistic things that uh, led us into some products uh, for our, pro our company that uh, kind of matched up, synced up with our uh, philosophy and were quite a remarkable discovery. So it all kind of fell together serendipitously. 
That's great. And so um, the engine behind Big Bold Health, uh, where you and I uh, sort of uh, met, and and I was so excited about it. And and, I, and in full disclosure to uh, my listeners out there, uh, I'm on Jeff's board of directors, which I've been. Uh, I told him it was on my bucket list to get in business with him about five years ago, and I bugged him for the last three years to be on his board. So, <laughs> thank you. Um, yes, but I want to I, I want to thank you. You, yeah. you made significant contributions to the, the evolution of the of the company. And in fact, I would I would say that when people look at our board, our small little fledgling company, they say, "How did you ever get a board of this esteem? How did you get people like Tom Arts and Doug Green and?" and Steve Wiggins and John Elstrad and uh, Walter Robb and so forth to be part of your company. And I said, well, I guess I'm just, I'm really lucky. It's another one of the fortunes of having these extraordinarily talented people um, make their contributions into the, into the evolution of Big Bold Health. Well, you're, yeah, you're humble because people love what you do. So they want to help you. Um, the, the product behind Big Bold Health, you know, you have several different products, but the main um, product is this product called organic Himalayan tartary buckwheat, um, which you um, got interested in and its, um, its ability to activate the immune system at a certain level. Um, this product is a crop, so there's an agricultural component to it, uh, but then you've turned it into a product that people can take both, you know, powder, capsule, but also in flour. So uh, again, I know people are starting to hear about this. It's starting to hit social media. Um, what is organic Himalayan tartary buckwheat and why should we all be interested in it? Yeah. So first of all, it's a 3,500 year old food crop. It's one of the oldest foods. Uh, secondly, it uh, was originally um, grown in uh, the Himalayan mountain regions. So it, it grows in very, very compromised soils with very harsh climates without any pesticides, herbicides, uh, fertilizers, even irrigation. It is like the superb of the hardy fit plant, resilient plant. And to be so resilient, um, it has to, to have genes that allow it to be protected against all these, even things like frost. And so it's developed a genome over millions of years of evolution that is like none other that I've seen. It, it produces approximately 50 to 100 times the level of immune active phytochemicals of any other plant food. Its portfolio of immune active uh, phytochemicals between, depending on how you want to count them, uh, between 50 and 80 um, of different phytochemicals that we've analyzed and have been published. There's quite a lot, a large body of literature actually, principally in the Eastern literature in, in, um, in China, because it's been eaten as a food in China for, as I said, 3,500 years. It's in the Yellow Emperor's Handbook as a medicinal food. Uh, well, why why haven't it why hasn't it made it into the market here sooner? Well, that's a question I've been asking. I, I have a speculation why it was uh, actually a major food crop in colonial America because it was brought over through Europe uh, by our colonial ancestors because it was so hardy and it could grow in really adverse conditions. By the way, it doesn't even have a problem with weeds because it's so high on these polyphenol compounds and so forth that it it kind of keeps weeds from growing. So it's a really, uh, it's a good, um, it's a good crop for early investigators of the country, of the continent. But I think over time, uh, as our food production methods and our food taste changed in America, about 200 years ago, it appears as if the crop was stopped in terms of its cultivation in America. And if you ask, well, what was happening at that time? What was happening are new cultivars of wheat 
we're starting to replace it. And, and buckwheat is not a wheat. It's not even a, it's not even a grain. It is a seed. It's actually a fruit seed. Um, yeah, it's so, funny because it's uh, buckwheat, but it's there's no gluten, right? It's gluten free. That, yeah, it's it's actually not a grain. It's gluten free. It's very very interesting, unique. I don't know why they put the name buckwheat on it so early on, but anyway, the uh, the story I think is that that wheat cultivars, um, because of their neutral flavor, started to become much more prevalent. And whereas when you have a phytochemical profile that's so high as found in Himalayan tertiary buckwheat, it has a unique flavor profile, and it is it is it is bitter. And so it, it forces you uh, to do food development to find ways of, of managing or masking the bitter. So we have a whole food lab. We've got a whole dietetics group pointing recipe. We had a recipe contest. It was really fun uh, in December. Uh, and so you have to find ways of delivering uh, Himalayan tartary buckwheat in a way that the, uh, the United States palate, which is really a palate that's designed for sweet, salt, and fat, uh, can tolerate it. If you're really trying to develop a higher nutritional quality, you've got to retrain the taste buds somewhat. So I think that's probably one of the major reasons why Himalayan tartary buckwheat kind of fell out of flavor because it's, it's not so easily neutral in flavor that you can just make it into all sorts of things without having a flavor profile. We find that, and you know, we're, we're promoting that bitter is better, uh, obviously to a degree, because it turns out certain bitter molecules stimulate cells within our intestinal tract to produce hormones that actually stimulate insulin and reduce inflammation. So we know that uh, the intro-endocrine effects of Himalayan tartary buckwheat, we study this on in humans, actually improves insulin sensitivity, reduces uh, the dysglycemia, and is uh, part of a healthy eating program because of this these bitter factor, factors in the product. Yeah, well, yeah, and also you can take capsules and powder and put it in a shake and you're not, you don't have to worry about the bitterness. Um, I'm going to take a short break, Jeff. Uh, we'll come right back. The NBJ Summit is an exclusive event for C-level executives in the nutrition industry. We are excited to be back for an in-person event this year in Carlsbad, California. Members of the industry will be contacted personally to register for the in-person event, but anybody can join virtually. This is a chance to network and collaborate with the influencers shaping our industry. Check out the agenda and register for the event by visiting nbjsummit.com. That's nbjsummit.com. Uh, Jeff, the, um, this, this ingredient is also being used um, by, um, it, there's, a, there's a term called tuhoba. And I know that uh, you worked with uh, some group out of China and they're doing some work in Nashville around making this a drug as well. I mean, is there a pharmaceutical? Because I, you know, you and I share this view that the world is blurry and there's pharma and there's OTC and there's there's nutraceuticals and then there's food. And sometimes at the end of the day, you know, consumers and all they want to do is be healthy and they don't really make those uh, degradations or silos. Uh, tell us about the the power of this ingredient that it, it could even go pharmacological, correct? Yeah, it's, it is really exciting work, Tom. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Himalayan tertiary buckwheat has about oh, between 50 and 80 different bioactive uh, phytochemicals. So it's a it's a basically a, like a chemical storehouse of bioactive immune bioactive substances. One of those, which I believe is, uh, has only been found in buckwheat at this point, is uh, the compound or the chemical that you just mentioned, the phytochemical called 2-hydroxylbenzylamine or 2-HOBA, 2-HOBA, or um, hobamine as it's got a commercial name. And uh, it is a very, very interesting uh, component within this portfolio of phytochemicals found in Himalayan tartary buckwheat. And, and the reason it's interesting is that it actually blocks 
um, very, very effectively at reasonably low doses uh, in, in taking in, in in the diet as a supplement. Um, it blocks the formation of injury to the immune system's connection to the, um, the blood vessels. Um, and as you probably know, there is an emerging view that atherosclerosis or heart disease or hardening of the arteries, whatever you want to call it, uh, is a consequence of the immune system uh, having a, 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 in producing an injury to the vascular system, the so-called endothelial cells and the vascular bed that then causes that system to lose its flexibility and to start to have problems that later lead to atheromas and, and blockage of the coronary arteries. And so one of the ways to prevent that is to make the immune system more friendly uh, to the, um, the arterial wall, to the um, specifically the endothelium and, and the in, internal vasculature. And it turns out that this phytochemical, 2-hydroxylbenzylamine, does just that. At a fairly low level, it, uh, it blocks the formation of what are called isolevioglandins, which are agents that actually uh, create this bad relationship between the immune system and the blood vessels or the arteries. So we have been uh, really very interested in that as another feature benefit of this complex array of uh, phytochemicals that are present in Himalayan tartary buckwheat, because we get uh, benefits on people that have insulin resistance. We get benefits on people who have premature problems related to their arterial system or their cardiovascular system. We get uh, advantages in the resurrection or the rejuvenation of their immune system, because we now know uh, that these chemicals affect the autophagy of damaged immune cells and causing them to be replaced by new immune cells. That's why we call it immunorejuvenation. So uh, in, in use of scientific language, this is called pleiotrophic effects. We have multiple shots on gold, so to speak, with Himalayan tartary buckwheat across a whole range of clinical conditions that have all been associated, by the way, as uh, called comorbidities for SARS-CoV-2 infection and COVID-19 disease. So we think that we've got a really interesting true superfood that has all these, these uh, benefits across these range of biological functions that are just being discovered really within the last 10 years. So, um, you know, a lot of polysyllabic words there that uh, the audience will, some of them will, will lap up and, and understand. But if I asked you that old question from the movie, Philadelphia, explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old. Well, let me do it a different way. So uh, my producer, Isabella Davis, is on, and I've told her about Big Bald Health, and I said, you got to take this, and, you know, I haven't really convinced her yet, so uh, <laughs> tell, tell me why, um, you know, should somebody that in their 20s take this as preventative? Um, does it help, uh, you know, with, uh, with COVID? Um, we can't make any disease claims here, and we don't want to do that. You talked about the pharmacological benefits, but the nutraceutical and the, and the food benefits of this ingredient what are the top three? Because we can say it does so many things and then people get lost. Why should Izzy go out and start taking this tomorrow? Well, thank you. I think the simplest answer I can give, uh, give to that is that the work that's being done now in biological aging, which you know is, is kind of revolutionarily revolutionizing our whole field of this whole senescence, uh, biology of senescence. If you were to ask the question, what part of our body is most susceptible to aging that then tracks with later stage loss of our function, meaning sore muscles, um, not thinking clearly, sore joints, uh, digestive problems, allergies, it would be the immune system. Aging the immune system is where the first problems come. It's the gateway into increased biological aging. 
And we now know without any question, and maybe that was the wisdom of this, uh, these ancient Chinese, <laughs> maybe they knew this just from their own experience, that the uh, portfolio of these uh, phytochemicals that are found in Himalayan tiger buckwheat are all affecting those processes that are related to immunosenescence or the aging of the immune system. They turn back the clock. That's why we call it immunorejuvenation. And if there's one single focus for people, if they're heavy exercisers or they're individuals under high stress or they're people exposed to chemicals, uh, pollutants, or they're individuals that have dysbiosis as a consequence of a microbial problem of their gut microbiome, all of those are conditions that would benefit from the support to prevent immune senescence, immune aging. And that's what our product, I think, is designed to do. That's great. Um... So yeah, Izzy, uh, uh, you're traveling a lot. You want to boost your immune system. This one seems to do it from the ground up. Is this what we're think? We're, what people are calling immunity 2.0? We all know we should take vitamin D and zinc, and that's happening. And there's lots of science behind that. And you know, there's no new talk about quercetin. And I I think your this ingredient also has quercetin. Um, so is this immunity 2.0? Uh, to to for lack of a better term for consumers. Yes, I think that would be a good way of summarizing. You know, our, what we've learned about the immunity, like the work that Dr. Maidani had done, has done in Tufts, looking at the role of vitamin E and uh, omega-3 fatty acids on immunity, all of that work, uh, vitamin D's effect, vitamin C, zinc, um, these are all principally important nutrients that help to uh, provide adequate uh, support for the immune system cells to, to be formed properly and to do their job. There is, however, now another layer that we're just learning, and that is, how do we help the immune system to resist aging? And how do we then recorrect an aged immune system to allow it to have the same nimble function that we had when we were younger? Because all people know that we're told that as we age, our immune system tends to be compromised. Why does aging cause it? Or is it other things that are associated with aging that are modifiable? So I think that's immunity 2.0, is to look at those things that keep our immune system rejuvenated not just support the fundamental function of our immune system. Great. Um, I have to ask this question, Jeff, because we're uh, a business oriented um, and you're CEO of uh, this company and you have lots of people helping you. Uh, tell me one of the uh, couple of things you've learned in getting this company started uh, that surprised you about how to launch a company today. Maybe uh, a positive yeah. thing and maybe something that uh, you learned the hard way. Well, I think for me, I, this is an old dog learning new tricks <laughs> because the marketplace is so different today than when we formed Metagenics in the 80s. <laughs> Excuse me. What we're seeing now, being a natively digital company, is the need to learn how to use the social structure of the new business environment. Yeah, I know, because today it's sort of like... Uh... Uh, everything's different and, and you know, uh, uh, TikTok social media has changed the way we buy products. We have millennials coming up, they're interested differently in products. So this is all, I know you have a lot of those people working for you, but uh, what's one thing that, um, you know, you've found that you might want to share about getting this product going? You've had great success the last year. We got some traction in the marketplace, but it's not been easy. No, I think the big uh, thing we've learned is it, 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 it's naive, and it's obvious, but it's, it's uh, easier to say than sometimes to do. And that is to get above the noise um, so that someone sees what you have is worthy of them spending some attention. And, and when I say someone, 
that someone is more likely with a, a person who can influence others. So this is that whole influencer game. But you need to get above the noise because there are so many stories going on <laughs> simultaneously. And I think the best storytellers that tell the story in a way that's authentic, that is novel, that is uh, engaging, that is sticky, and then delivers something that can be done that's executable at a price that people can afford uh, to give a whirl, that to me, that, that's the secret sauce. If you put all of those things together, and, and for us, that's been a, a year-long learning. I mean, it's going to be more than a year. I'm sure we're going to continue to learn. But I think we got over at least the first barrier of learning because as you can see from my, the way I speak, I speak kind of highbrow with science geekism. So then finding a way to bring that down so it's accessible and utilizable by people who really can best use this information to help their life is something that takes really skillful people. And fortunately, I'm very fortunate. I've got some really great people that I call our Jeff Bland demythologizers or Jeff Bland translators that are starting to get this information into more consumer-friendly language so that can, people can access it and, and make it available in their lives. Including none other than Mark Hyman. So, I mean, you can't get better than that. Yeah, he, Mark has been a longstanding friend and colleague, as, as you know, and, uh, you know, he's been on this, um, our program and product, and we've, we've done uh, Himalayan Charlie Buckley cooking together. And, um, you know, once he gets an idea, he, he grabs onto it pretty hard and away it goes. So it's, it's great to have him as one of our uh, allied colleagues. Great. Well, Jeff, uh, I know it's the weekend and you're uh, going to catch a ferry today over to one of your uh, houses up there in, in Washington State where you are. Um, uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, I just want to, um, you know, ask you a final question, which is, is there anything I missed that you'd like to share with your audience as a final thought? And then uh, we'll, uh, we'll close it up. I think the only other thing you, you alluded to it, um, we don't need to go in, into it right now, but we happen to make another interesting discovery as it relates to this immunorejuvenation story beyond that of the Himalayan Tartary Buckwheat. And that was the role of uh, these pro-resolving mediators that are- Oh yeah, yeah, the fish oil. Yeah, yeah cause, and, and, you, and you go all the way back to the source and have a really good deal up in Alaska with a source of a unique form of fish oil. Tell me just real quickly- what, no, We're, we're, what we're the it? only people in the world, I believe, that is uh, producing uh, the kind of fish oil we're producing. And it's because of my partner that's a owns a fishing company and he has built fishing boats that are unique. So we do onboard processing in the Gulf of Alaska and the Bering Sea. Our fish are caught one at a time, a line and hook, uh, sustainable. Uh, they come into the ships and they're cleaned and uh, uh, go from a live fish into a minus 20 frozen um, uh, component of the fish within 20 minutes. So all those labile um, ingredients that are found in uh, fish products are captured. We don't lose any of the nutrients. Plus the other thing is it doesn't allow for any oxidation or degradation. And uh, what, what we found is that fresh fish are really not fresh. Uh, they're caught and they're put in the hole of a ship with ice. They, they may be out at sea three to five or even more days before they come back to a processing plant. And by that time, uh, things have started to degrade. Uh, our fish oil, when we first, we built a plant, a pharmaceutical grade plant in Dutch Harbor, Alaska, the only pharmaceutical plant in Dutch Harbor out in the Aleutian Islands. And when that stuff first came out of our plant and we were all standing there waiting to see it, it was colorless, odorless, and tasteless. We could not believe it because everyone talks about the fishy odor or taste of cod liver oil. Our cod liver oil is completely odorless and tasteless. So I, I think what we recognize now is that the way that you catch fish, the way you preserve their uh, labile ingredients, and then the way you low temperature process them 
really determines the quality of the final oil. We have the highest levels of these pro-resolving mediators, which are lost by most commercial processing because of the distillation process and so forth. So we have a unique portfolio of immune rejuvenating nutrients in our fish oil, just as we do in our tartary buckwheat. So those are our two kind of unique um, supply chain um, contributions to the immunorejuvenation story. Yeah, the uh, sometimes they're called SPMs, and uh, I took those uh, in my in my journey out of COVID, um, uh, along with your fish oil, because the two together I think reduced inflammation. And um, you know, I I can I can get any product anywhere I want. Um, uh, I I can get any product free. I buy your product. I think it's the best fish oil. Um, that, that sounds like a commercial, but people always ask me, what do you take? So with that um, final endorsement, I'll say thank you very, very much, Jeff, for your time today. It's been an honor. I think uh, one of the future episodes we might do is we'll dive into the, uh, the fish oil story. Maybe I'll interview the folks up in Alaska and Olaf, uh, who we both know, who's one of your partners up there, because that, that could be really interesting in itself. Um, but it's been amazing to have you on today. I Really enjoyed your your uh, all your thoughts and um, and and we will uh, make this into a, a really really cool podcast and we'll share it with the world. Um, I would love people I'm sure are that are listening are saying how do we get access to this product or access to Jeff? Could you share uh, your website from Big Bold Health or how people can learn more about it? Yeah, thanks, Tom. So we have we have two sites. One is a very uh, deep dive into all the literature, the research, and the papers and. I would call it the, for the biohacker type of community, it's called www.pro.bigboldhealth.com. That's kind of the, the deep, I've got all sorts of webinars on there. We got all sorts of articles. And then www.pro.bigboldhealth.com. Okay. And, and then the consumer version of our material that's more consumer friendly, where we, you can sign up for a, uh, a newsletter. You can take our immune identity quiz, uh, questionnaire that's just bigboldhealth.com. So the pro version is pro.bigboldhealth.com. The consumer version is bigboldhealth.com. Yeah, and, and again, that quiz is really interesting. It's uh, put together by Dr. Perlmutter and it tells you, you know, where you are with your immunity system, just like what's your cholesterol level. And that's uh, really cool that you're doing. Thank you, Tom, really a pleasure. And um, look forward to continuing our journey together for the years to come. Thank you. You take care, bye-bye. Nutrition Business Today with creator and host Tom Arts. We welcome your feedback. Email us with your comments, questions, and suggestions. Nutritionbusinesstoday at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. Nutrition Business Today is produced in collaboration with Navigator Digital Media. And I want to thank our staff at Nutrition Business Advisors, especially Petra Lingenbrink, Maggie Filan, Erica Rommel, and Emma Ring. I'm Izzy Davis. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.